everyone. Uh, we're trying something new tonight. Uh, hopefully this might be a reoccurring thing we're doing. It's basically a let's try. Uh, it'll be various RPGs that Ellen and I are going to try out. We'll kind of give a brief review of what the RPG is kind of about, a little bit about the system. Ellen or I will make a character and we will run through a scenario and then that'll be it. Then at the end of it, we will kind of give our thoughts and hopefully you enjoy it and hopefully it will give you some ideas for games you might want to play or games you might want to avoid uh, before you spend your hard-earned money. Sounds good. All right. Uh, so the first one we're going to do is Beyond the Firelight Deluxe. It is a Mystical Throne Entertainment uh, production, and it was written by a friend of ours, Aaron T. Huss. And in all uh, seriousness and all uh, uh, clarity, we were given a PDF of this to try out. So it was given to us free so we are going to review it and kind of go over it play it a little bit and see what we think so the book is actually now we have the pdf but the book is 112 pages uh, there's not a lot of art in it uh, it is kind of an indie game um, I believe that the writer, uh, kind of a passion project of his, uh, the first thing that comes up in the book, we'll, we'll kind of go over the book, quickly go over the main idea of the system, and then Ellen will create a character. This is a very rules-light, more narrative-style game. It's definitely not like your D&Ds or your um, Star Wars games where there's a lot of crunch. This is a lot more narrative, and it is designed from the base up to definitely have a story created among those playing. Kind of like, hence the name, Beyond the Firelight, as if everyone's kind of sitting around, you know, the the dark forest is out there and you're kind of huddled around the fire creating scary stories together so there was an opening story uh, like most rpgs do uh, ellen what did you think of that story the story was actually very well written um the problem with a lot of role play books is that the editing editing leaves a lot to be desired even with major company books I didn't find a lot of those errors in there, but then again, that might be more in your wheelhouse to find because sometimes my brain fills in what I'm supposed to see as opposed to what's really on the page. However, I think that the introduction, the introductory story, as well as the flavor text throughout the book with various different characters and example plays, I think those are all very well thought out and actually really demonstrates the the setting of the game, the historical horror setting of the game, as opposed to the modern day horror that a lot of other role play games bring. 
All right. And so, and with that being said, the game is very steeped in folklore. The players are not big heroes. They're not busting down doors and shooting hordes of vampires. They are kind of real people. And this is a game about horror. It's a game about surviving the night. And the main idea is you have a lead storyteller. And then you have people creating personalities. That's basically a character. I kind of got the idea that you rotate who the lead storyteller is. But for this kind of test... What's most likely going to happen is I will be the lead storyteller. I might kind of use a persona, but Ellen will most likely be the player in this. So the main idea of the system is you just roll 1d6 when you want to complete an objective is what it's called. So say, for example, you want to interrogate a townsperson or hit the big adversary, then you would roll 1d6 dice. And if you roll a 5 or a 6, you succeed. Anything else is a failure. Now, in saying that, there's some things that you can do to kind of try to stack the deck in your favor, so to speak. Characters have traits, equipment, and descriptors. If a trait can be used in your role, then any role of a four, five, or six is a success. And if you can say that you're using a piece of equipment, so say you have a whip on you and you're trying to hit the adversary, the horror that you are encountering, then you can use that whip in your attack. You can re-roll that die. And if you can also incorporate a descriptor, you can re-roll that die. So a roll of a 5 or a 6, or if you can add things to your rolls, you can do a 4, 5, or 6, or possibly even re-roll that die twice. And that's the basics of this system. We will go into more of it as we play, but that's kind of what you need to roll or what you need to know when you know the base system and kind of what you want when you're making your character. Now, after that, it kind of goes into a little bit. I guess Beyond the Firelight takes place in a larger setting called Shadowed Earth. Uh, I don't know much about that setting. Um, it does have some interesting ways to put this game into other eras. This game is basically kind of colonial times. However, there are interesting paragraphs about setting it in, say, a Roman time, in ancient Japan, and the like. So there is some information about that. I'm not sure about Shadowed Earth and if it uses the exact same system, but Beyond the Firelight Deluxe does take a lot of ideas from Shadowed Earth and it uses those ideas.
So then after that, it goes into a list of adversaries. Horrors that your personas can encounter. And let me say, this is not your father's monster manual. These creatures... Aaron has done a really good job of writing the folklore of these creatures as opposed to just creating a bunch of stats for the creatures. And some of these creatures, they are horrors and they are deadly. This isn't something where you have a lot of hit points and you whittle the creature down. Some of these creatures cannot be hurt. You have to think, you have to investigate, you have to find out what you can do to take these creatures down. So in that, it does really kind of pull you back into how are you going to just survive the night against this thing. Ellen, do you have any anything about any of the things that I've been talking about? It's very... <clears throat> It's very clear that although you can play a hero, you are not the hero. You're not the Winchesters. You're not Buffy. You're not a superhero of any sort. I don't even think you're really Scooby-Doo and the, the Scooby gang. You are a person who is thrown into a supernatural paranormal event and you need to live through the creature's attack. I do like that idea. I also really enjoy the idea of it being more of a cooperative game where the lead storyteller also has a personality as well as the players uh, that we play together and the adversary is the module, the, the, the adventure itself. I like that idea behind it. Um... It is a really great and simple, less crunchy system to create a character. It is a system that I can kind of wrap my head around, which is actually saying a lot. And it's also a good system that you can play with newcomers to roleplay. Because it's more of a... Like like you said, it's more of a, a, a gentle sort of approach at least around the table not in the story itself but to the players there's it's a more gentle relationship between the lead storyteller and the people who are actually just playing and i will say that adding to that new people can pick this up pretty well it is also a game i think that say for example you're playing your D&D and two people can't show up that night. This game is very easy to get kind of consumed by one person if they know the game beforehand or just pick up the book quickly and throw some character sheets down, have some people write some stuff down and really get into the adventure quick and basically use that night to play a totally separate game that doesn't take a lot of a lot of preparation um i also ahead. do like the semi-fantastical story behind it semi-fantastical mm -hmm. in that it is based in obviously an era that happened in the united states uh, the colonial era, at least a lot of these modules uh, look to be. I did not look through the modules because we are going to run through one of them. So I didn't run, I, I didn't read through the scenarios in order to uh, get a good feel on how that would play out. 
However, um, the semi-fantastical part of it is that the game itself does not impose roles on any players. For instance, a woman can be more than just a teacher in this particular thing. She can actually carry an axe. She can be an axe man. That's what I mean by semi-fantastical. Okay. Okay. Um, so, Aaron kind of closes the book out, as we said, with four scenarios. We'll be playing through the first one called Celtic Legend. I thought Ellen might <laughs> uh, find that one interesting. Um, the uh, scenarios are centered around acts, like Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. And it's almost kind of like, and I, I'm interested in this, it's almost kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure because you read the opening of the scenario and you play through it you make some rolls, and then whether you succeed in the objectives for that act or you fail the objectives for that act, you have two different conclusions for that part of the scenario. And then that gives you an idea, gives you a direction for how the next act will go. So say, for example, we failed the first act, it will be different. The second act will be different based off of that. So it might be a little bit more deadly. There might be a little bit closer to, to the horror that's actually pervading the scenario. Someone might just die between the act. You don't know. This is all about survival and will you survive the night? Will you survive the scenario? It is pretty structured, and if you know me, um, I kind of run games a little bit more loose. So it will be interesting for me to see how this actually works out and if we're able to keep it going. Um, so also, like I said previously, the lead storyteller is kind of rotating through the scenario. For example, in Celtic Legend, I might start as the lead storyteller in the first act. And then I would still have a persona. So then at the beginning of the second act, I'd say, okay, person to my right, person across from me, Ellen... You will be the lead storyteller for this act. She will read the opening part of that act. And then she will kind of lead the group through the scenes of that act. And I kind of like that idea. But once again, this is kind of our first go with the let's try thing. So I'm going to probably be leading, be the lead storyteller through this. Ellen will play her personality. I'll probably create a personality between now and when we actually play. And then once that's done, we'll kind of give our final thoughts on Beyond the Firelight Deluxe. But before we wrap this up, let's have Ellen go through and make her personality so you can kind of see how it goes. And believe me, it doesn't take long. So let's go through. Now, the game has a number of personality templates. 
So what you would do is you would choose one and then basically go through, fill out your character sheet with the what we talked about before when we were talking about <coughs> the traits, equipment, and descriptors. So Ellen, from this list, now there's not a list, you kind of have to go through. So let me see if I can see what some of these are. So there's, what is the first one? Because I'm going to butcher that name. And antiquarian 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 okay so there's an antiquarian there's an axe man there's a blacksmith there's a butcher there's a cartographer a constable a farmer so you can see that you're just playing normal people really um there's a merchant a sailor surveyor because i mean who wants to be the surveyor when you're thinking of a character. So these are really just just normal people that are thrust into a situation. And the last one I believe, oh, nope, there's teacher and tinner man, which I did not know. A tinner man and tinner woman are early modern age terms for people who cut and placed wood for building homes. Never knew that. Learn something new just by reading this book. Okay, so which one have you chosen, Ellen? Antiquarian. All right, so that's going to be awesome for me to try to say during this scenario. But, so... You can just practice. Yep, I'll just have to practice. Okay, so I'll probably make a constable then. Uh, All right. Okay, so, Ellen, what is the first couple things we have on our character sheet here? What are the first three things that you need to figure out? All right, so underneath name, culture, and station, or name, nope. culture, and station. Name, culture, and station. Um, all right. Name of your character. I've chosen, because it's very easy for me to remember, Dahlia St. Thomas. All right. Uh, culture, I have not chosen, because um, I think that I just need to be a New Englander. But I was toying around with uh, being from, Eng like, actually from England, an immigrant. All right, um, let's let's throw something down there. I think that I, I am leaning very heavily towards just being a New Englander rather than an immigrant. Okay, so you're basically second generation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, all right. Or colonial. Yes, thank you. There you go. We'll just put basic colonial. Um, not sure if we're supposed to choose, like, if she's Irish or something of the sort. However, uh, we'll just go with that for now as we're just kind of trying this out. And station? I believe the station is the antiquarian, isn't it? Um, I may have skipped here. over that part. I feel really bad if I did. <laughs> All right. Well, we might have to uh, figure that out when we start uh, because I think station is actually something different. Probably having to do with some sort of resource or, or, or class. Yes. This is a bad habit of Ellen's. I will read a book, but I will skim through some areas. And unfortunately, since we were doing a gaming book, I tended, I tend to skim over the nitty gritty of character creation, even when it's super simple. <laughs> all right so let us go to the let us leave that then 
and let us go to your traits. Now, in the game, you have a list of traits for each of the templates. What are the list of traits under your chosen personality? Um, you can be. You can have appraiser, which is can quickly estimate the nature of value of something. Negotiate negotiator, good at arranging mutually agreed upon terms. A scholar has profound knowledge of a particular subject, and an observer often watches and pays attention before responding. Okay, so, and what do you do with those? How do you pick some? You, you, you choose two. Okay, so which two are you going to pick? I have, I, I'm negotiator and scholar. All right, so she's a negotiator and scholar. So remember, then, if she can orchestrate those into her role, she can succeed on a 4, 5, or 6 on a d6 instead of just a 5 or 6. So that's kind of what those are for. I did find station is whatever you do as a career function or position. It doesn't have to have any in-game benefit, but does help to form a picture of how you live within your community. All right, so basically an antiquarian... Only I need to name it something differently. Right. Basically. Something what within you, that general. Yeah. What do you do for the community is, right. is basically what station is. Okay. I'm going to have to come back to that one. Um, because you could, I mean, even though you're not doing the teacher thing, you could uh, be a teacher or maybe, uh, I'm not exactly sure about librarian, but you seek out antiquities, artifacts, literature, and historical sites. So, all right. So now she has her two traits. And then she goes to equipment. Now there's well, a list of... Oh, yeah. I guess in the book it's... On the character sheet, the next thing in line is descriptors. And realize that... Okay, well, we'll go by the character sheet because that's what people would be using. So there are a number of descriptors in in each personality. So say, for example, and I'm just going to count them up. I didn't know how many there were to begin with. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 descriptors for the antiquarian. As a personality as a player you choose seven to nine of those so since there's only two of us go ahead and we're just going to choose nine so go ahead and choose nine of them and which ones did you choose um all right i have chosen has a network of buyers and sellers is known to many politicians has a large collection of native american relics Sometimes teaches about antiquities at New England colleges. Has access to numerous libraries. Has traveled to England. Often suffers from ooh shiny syndrome. (laughs) Can also read Latin or Greek. And has published antiquarian works. Alright, so you can also Latin or Greek. So I think you choose one. I'm probably going to choose Latin. I, I wrote down Latin or Greek because I needed to think on it, but I think I'm going to choose Latin. Okay. So now remember, descriptors 
can allow for a reroll. So if she's doing something and she can figure out how one of her descriptors can help her in her roll, then she would be able to reroll her die. And the next thing on your character sheet is equipment. Equipment. So there is a list of equipment. Uh, she could have a magnifying glass, a journal, a satchel, a scroll, quill, and ink as one thing, a history book, and a coin collection. So, what of, and she can choose three of these pieces of equipment. So, what have you decided to have as your equipment? I have chosen a satchel, a magnifying glass, and a scroll quill and ink. All right. So, she is definitely a watcher from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) All right. So, and there's room for notes. There's really not anything that... Um, is for character creation with notes. That's mostly probably during the scenario. And then everyone starts with three health. So it looks like Ellen put... Oh, she put station... Okay. I just haven't... I I thought it was antiquity. I haven't changed it yet, but I think I'm going to be a librarian. Okay, so this... Little community has a small grouping of antiquities and books that Ellen's character, uh, Dahlia St. Thomas, has been as painstakingly brought to the to the community, and she kind of helps the community with their learning and stuff like that. The last thing is on the character sheet. How old is Dahlia? Uh, 35. 35. All right. Go ahead and put down 35. Never been married. 35. I'm an old maid. All right. Old maid. All right. So um, the last thing on the character sheet, there is an area for a character portrait. Um, Neither of us are artistically inclined. Mm -hmm. So we'll skip that part. But, I can draw a little stick figure there. Yep, there you go. Draw a stick, yep, all right, all right. Is it a 35-year-old stick figure, though? How are we going to know, really? Um, gla- no, glasses don't indicate age. Oh, well. Her hair's gray because I'm drawing her in pencil. There you go, there you go. Okay, so that is creating a personality for the game. That took us... A few minutes. So once again, if you have some friends over for the night and you want to get out a quick RPG, that seems like a good way and a good one to choose. And you really didn't need to know much about the game. You just knew that it was kind of a horror setting in colonial times and you choose and you chose a personality. Yeah. It was super easy. I've never had such a painless uh, character creation. All right. So I will make a personality uh, myself before we play. Once again, we will... Now it's it's four acts. The uh, scenario Celtic Legend, which I think maybe all of them are four acts. But Celtic Legend is four acts. So what we're going to try to do is the next time we get together, we will do the first two acts. And then after that, we will do the second two acts and then kind of do a wrap up of what we liked, what we didn't like, if we'd play the game again. 
Um, I will say that once again, it's more of a choose your adventure kind of style. So that will be interesting for us. Um, is there any kind of final thoughts you want to state, Ellen, before we wrap this up? Um, I do like the idea that the story is told by everyone at the table. I know Steve is going to laugh at me when we get off the air that I said that simply because when he wants me to participate in the storytelling aspect of any role play game that we're in, he, yeah, we. There's a lot of blank stares. (laughs) It's not just me in my defense. It is not just me. But in this case, I think that um, in the past we've played a Buffy the Vampire Slayer game and I did feel like I was a little bit more invested in the storytelling of that game. Uh, just based on the feel of the game. And maybe it's the horror genre feels a little bit more cooperative. I don't know. But I do like the idea and I am looking forward to testing that out. Well, also, too, that we know going into this, this is kind of built from the ground up. It's not a, say, I know I'm referring to it a lot, but it's not a D&D game where it's kind of more dungeon master to players. This is a lot more collaborative, and it's built to be a lot more collaborative from the ground up. Yes, yes. I think that, and I did say this to Steve after I finished reading the book, I it, it appeals to me. In practice, we'll see how well I do at it, But in just reading the book and learning about the system, it does appeal to me. It appeals to me a lot. All right. So uh, is there any last thoughts about the book or anything we've talked about? I know I did like the art, a lot of the art. There isn't, now granted, there isn't a lot of it. However, it is very kind of evocative of the setting it's a black and white, it's kind of sketchy, as if someone from that time period kind of sat down with a quill and some paper and created it themselves. That's very true. And to be honest, I don't like I don't like reading game books aside from the flavor text, aside from that introductory story with the characters that carry on through the whole book, pretty much. I know Vampire does that when they do example plays. Um, and I know D&D does that to a certain extent, depending on which book you're picking up. This does that. It has a very well-written scenario of explorers in a in a cave and it's just it the the wording used the way the story the the storytelling devices it actually drew me in and made me want to read the book and um although i still did my old habit and i feel um really inadequate for a review on a game book because of this i don't tend to get into the crunchy parts but the nice thing is the crunchy parts of the system are only what, like 15 pages? Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty short. Uh, the rest of the book is mostly the scenarios and the flavor text and the explanation of the setting, which is the stuff that appeals to me. And 
I might be in the minority when it comes to gaming because every, everybody I know gets into the systems. I, I just get into the scenarios and I get into the the setting. I enjoy that stuff. And sometimes I'm somebody who gets very confused very easily in not just character creation, but in the actual crunchy part of the game. So this appeals to me as well because it's not very crunchy. All right. So that being said, uh, that is our quick synopsis, our quick overview of this game, our quick overview of creating a personality. So next time we meet for Let's Try, we will delve and try to see what is beyond the firelight. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.